0: Welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Leonard Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book, where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter seven. John chapter seven is where we are going to be today. We're going to go verses 14 through 39. And our question uh, that we want to think about is do we derive our instruction or doctrine or truth? from God, or do, or are we lazy about where we get truth, or uh, do we just make God out to be who we want Him to be in order for us to do what we want to do, which people do do. Um, what do we base our actions on? Do we base it on truth, or do we base it on assumptions? And today we're going to see some of these people basing their truth on assumptions or myths, and also just being, I think, maybe possibly lazy uh, about truth. And so, uh, whenever I was in college, I, uh, let's see, actually I wasn't in college yet. I was close to college or I was getting ready to go to college or something, I don't know. I went to like a bunch of different colleges, you know, know, got kicked out. No, I'm kidding, I never got kicked out. Uh, But uh, I, I, growing up, I never played football, okay? I just never played football, I just didn't. I played basketball, I played baseball, uh, but I never played football. But for some reason, in my mind, I thought if I ever had the opportunity to play football, I'd be really good at it, okay? Yeah, thank you, Scout, <laughs> for the reality check, okay? <clears throat> so, I was like, you know, I'm good at basketball, I'm, you know, I'm okay at basketball, I'm decent at baseball, I'm, I'll probably be good at football too. And so, obviously, uh, when you go to college, it's a step up in competition and, you know, being who I was, you know, I thought I was going to be the next RG3 or something. So. I decided to go to a college and play football in college. And I soon realized that maybe not that football was harder than I thought, but maybe that I wasn't as good as I thought, right? Uh, and I'll, there's one play that I'll never forget, that was it was really terrible. But, uh, you know, I, I was undisciplined as a football player just because i never played. I didn't know how to play. I didn't know how to be disciplined. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I mean, there were times my coach would be like, you know we're going to do this cover and this 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 I, I was on defense and this this and this and I'd be like okay and he'd be like and I'd line up and he'd be like put your other foot forward I'd be like I don't even know what you're talking about okay and like switch guy, I, I had no idea what was going on so anyway there's this one play and there's this, this running back and he was he was a really good running back or whatever I mean he wasn't even that good he was really good compared to me but uh, they handed him the ball off he he met, he, thought, he like broke like four tackles and I was playing safety at the time Okay, so it was my job to finish him off, clean him up. And, man, I went in for the tackle. dude juked me out so bad. I, f- I tried to tackle him, missed him, fell on, my, fell on my face. He got a touchdown. It was horrible. Uh, but I share all that because I based the decision to go try out for football instead of one of the other sports that I actually knew how to play based on a, a misconception that I was better than I was, okay? that I was good at something. And many times as people – Okay, we base um, decisions on false ideas or on things that are not true. And I've, I've seen it in the lives of many people, especially recently actually, which I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and the stage of, of life I'm in or whatever, but I've seen my friends or people that are kind of close to me, uh, they neglect the truth and they decide to do something based on something that they, they decide is true based on what they want. So what I mean by that is they'll say, well, God is this. And where they got the idea that God is that is just out of their own mind or from something they heard somewhere, maybe on media or from a pastor or something. And so they'll say, God is this. And because He is this, I can do this. And they'll do something, and it's actually sin. And God, like, obviously doesn't like it. But they'll, they'll do that thing, and... Uh, They'll claim that it is good because of their false idea of what is true. Does that make sense? And today we're going to see that there are some people that have a false idea of what the Messiah is supposed to be or where he's supposed to come from. And also, uh, they have a false idea of who Jesus is or where he's from. And they don't really care. And the, the whole point is really that they're not seeking truth because okay, they don't care about truth. They just want to do what they want to do. And I think in our own lives, we do that too. It's like, I don't care about what's actually true. I want to do this, and therefore I can work the truth around enough to make it makes it sound like it, what I'm doing is okay. Does that make sense? So that's what these guys are doing. So let's look at it. Let's look at verse 14. We'll just read the whole thing all the way to 39. And then we'll come back, circle back and start. It says, but when it was now the midst of the feast, which is the Feast of Booths, Jesus went up to the temple, and he began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Did Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carry out the law? Or sorry, did not Moses give you the law, and none of you carry out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answered him, You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? And Jesus answered him, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses given, uh, has given you circumcision. Not because it was from Moses, but it was from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses is not broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, uh, is this not the man they are seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying anything to him. The rulers are not, uh, do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, when we uh, were with this man... Or sorry, however, we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, uh, teaching and saying, You both know me, and you know where I'm from. I have not come of myself, but he sent me. He who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, he, he, will He not perform more signs than those which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering and these things about Him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize Him. Okay, so trying to get Him again. Therefore Jesus said, for a little while longer I am with you, then I go to Him who sent Me. You will seek Me and you will not find Me, and where I go you cannot come. Then the Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach to the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will ro- flow rivers of living water. But he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, uh, because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for all you've done for us. I just pray that as we look at this passage, you'd speak to us to be your words and not uh, mine, God, and be your truth that we look at. And we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me turn this really quick so it's. All right. Uh, So, that was a long passage, a lot of reading, uh, and a lot of it's kind of narrative. Okay, but we're going to look at it and we're going to see several things. And we're going to see several things about Jesus and the Father. And actually, we're going to see that each of those things kind of relates to us as believers in the New Testament, which is kind of interesting and kind of cool, I think. As well. So, first thing we're going to look at is the doctrine of Jesus is from the Father, or the instruction. Some of your versions may say instruction. This is verses 14 through 24. So, in verse 14, he gets up and he starts teaching. And in verse 15, the Jews were astonished about his teaching. We don't know what his teaching was. Uh, I tried to look up and see if there was a correlating passage in one of the other Gospels uh, that it, we exactly match, and we knew exactly that it was this teaching, but uh, I couldn't find any. So. Uh, we don't know what he taught, but he taught something. And the Jewish leaders were like, man, how is this guy teaching if he's never been educated by us? And uh, they were just astonished. And so Jesus, knowing that they're saying these things, understanding that they say, well, how is he educated? Okay? He tells them how he was educated. Okay? In verse 16, look at it. So, it says, so Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Okay, his assuming, and that teaching could be doctrine or instruction, but the teaching that he's giving, the instruction that he's giving, or the doctrine that he's giving, okay, that is not from him, it is from the one who sent him, who, uh, who is the Father. Right? And so his teaching is from the Father. Um, and that's what he's saying. he's saying. He's basically saying, they're saying, you didn't go to school. And he said, I went to school with the Father. The Father taught me all these things. Okay? Uh, which they're not going to like, obviously. right? And then look at verse 17. Okay, so he's saying uh, he got his doctrine from the Father. If anyone is willing to do His will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. And I love this statement because it's like he's actually seeking truth, is going to find it. Like if you if you seek, he's basically saying to these guys, you know, if you were seeking the will of the Father, okay, if you're seeking the will of God, you would know whether my teaching is of God or not, and it is but you would know whether it's of God or not and you don't know because you're saying it's not but it is and so he's saying basically if you're going to if you're going to be willing enough to seek for actual truth then you would find the truth of God's word okay and you'd find the truth of God and so I like that statement because a lot of times again there's some in this crowd who believe right but as a whole in general population these guys do not believe and they're not seeking the truth they don't actually care about what is true Okay, they come up with their own truths throughout this passage and then they base basically their decisions on that other than a few people who do believe. And so I do like that verse 17 there. Okay? Verse 18 goes on. Jesus goes on to say, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, this is talking about himself. Okay? Obviously, he says there's no unrighteousness in him. He's saying himself there's no unrighteousness in him. And he's saying he's not seeking the glory, his own glory, but the glory of the Father. Okay, And then verse 19, he says, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carry it out? So why do you seek to kill me? And so Jesus is making a distinction in 18 and 19. <laughs> he's making a distinction uh, between himself and these Jewish officials or these Jewish leaders or whatever. They can't even keep the law of Moses. Okay? And yet he is unrighteous in all of it. He keeps not only the law of Moses, but he keeps the will of the Father, which is a much higher standard than even the law of Moses, right? And so he actually is perfect in everything he does and there's no unrighteousness in him. Yet they can't even keep the law of Moses, which plays in here because they don't think he's the Messiah, or they don't want him to be the Messiah, right? And so they're going to try and kill him, okay? And so, which is why he asks, why do you seek to kill me, okay? And they're trying to kill him because they can't even match his own, um, they can't even match his own works. And they under—I think they do. Some of them may understand that he is the Messiah, and definitely all of them understand that he's taking power away from them as Jewish leaders. Okay, and so they want to kill him. Okay, but the crowd answers in verse twenty. Look at the crowd. Okay, they say, "You have a demon, okay, who seeks to kill you." So they're like, "You're crazy, dude." Okay, no one's trying to kill you. You're crazy which this statement even even this statement this small little sentence here shows us that they're not seeking truth okay because they are trying to kill him and we see later on twice it says that they sent people out to try and to try and get him okay right here in this in this passage and so we know people are trying to kill him and even in verse 25 if you scroll down to that some of the people are saying is this not the man whom they're seeking to kill so people are trying to kill him Yet they're, they're, they're already ignoring truth, saying, nobody's trying to kill you. Nobody's trying to kill you. But they are. And so I think, I know it's like just like a verse that doesn't really seem to make like that much of a difference. But I think it's already showing their heart that they don't care about what's actually true. Okay? They don't care about what's actually true. Um, and so I, I do think that that is important. So Jesus answers them. Okay, and this is interesting. Okay, he answers and he says, I did one deed and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses given, uh, has given you circumcision, not because it's from Moses, but because it's from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses is not broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Okay, so what's he saying here? What, what's going on? Well, the people, the Jewish leaders, really started trying to kill Jesus when he started healing on the Sabbath. Okay, which he did several. We see in John, there's one major one that he did on the Sabbath. Okay, but in the other gospels, we see other uh, healings on the Sabbath. Do you guys remember the one in John that was on the Sabbath? I'm thinking of one, but I don't know if it's it. Is it the one where he healed like someone who was like having trouble walking? Yeah. So it's the they're at the Pool of Bethesda. Okay, he's coming into, into Judea and then into Jerusalem. Uh, I think, I can't remember if that one was for um, Passover or not. I think it was for Passover. But he comes in, he goes to the pool of Bethesda, and there's a guy there. It says that, basically, you know, he basically can't walk. He says he's sick, but it says he, you know, later that he can't walk. You know, pick up your mat and that sort of thing. So we think he's a paralytic. Okay. And he heals that guy on the Sabbath, and they get really mad. Okay. And so I think, and I think a lot of people think that when he says this one deed right there in verse 21, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, I did one deed or work. Depending on your translation, I did one word. I think it's that pool of Bethesda healing. Okay, it could have been a different healing, but I, it's definitely a healing that happened on the Sabbath that really got him stirred up. Okay, and he says, "I did this one deed, and you all marvel." Now, this word "marvel" seems out of place in context here, uh, but I don't think you should look at the word "marvel." Okay, and the Greek word "marvel" it just means to like wonder or or marvel. Like everybody knows what marveling is. Like it's like wow. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean something good. Okay? It doesn't always mean like, wow, that's really good. Like it could be like, wow, that's really bad too. Okay? And sometimes we only think of marvel as like, wow, that's something good. So in the context of this flow and looking at this, I think he's saying, wow, I can't believe you would do that on the Sabbath. Wow, are you serious? You're healing that guy on the Sabbath? Okay? So I think that's the marveling that he talks about, because then he goes in and he says, for this reason, verse 22, Moses has given you circumcision, and then he, he put, I like the little quotation, mine's in like little parentheses, because Jesus is like, okay, you guys say circumcision is from Moses, but who was the first guy that got circumcised? Abraham. Abraham. So Jesus is like, you, you say everything's from Moses, but Abraham's actually, you know, it started with Abraham, so you guys don't even know that, right? And then he says, uh, and on the Sabbath you circumcise a man. It says, "If a man receives circumcision." Now, a little Greek here, not very much, but uh, in English, by context, you can tell if an "if" is kind of means like if maybe or maybe not. If it's true, if it's probably not true. So, in Greek, if it's a first-class if, it means like if and it's true. Okay, this is a first-class if. So, it's saying, "If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, and he does, because according to the law, you had to be circumcised on this." You know, uh regardless of whether it was Sabbath or not on the correct day. And so if a man mm-hmm. receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? So, you're, so Jesus says, you ceremoniously make a man well or make a man right with God, you know, keep the law uh, by circumcision on the Sabbath? But circumcision is a work, right? You're like working. Okay, you have to do it, and uh, and yet you do that. But then, when I actually make somebody well on the Sabbath, you get mad. Okay, and and he's and he's uh, and he's not. Remember, he's not breaking any. He's not breaking any, even any Mosaic law, any Old Testament law, by healing that guy. Okay, and the one thing that they got really mad at, that they could really pinpoint, was the guy picking up his mat. And walking with it, which doesn't go against the Old Testament, it goes against the tradition of the um, Pharisees. And so he's saying, you guys um, are are you guys do this do this, and you then you don't you get mad at me because I'm doing this, and yet I'm actually making somebody well. Okay, then look at verse twenty four because this, this is what he's saying. He says, "Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment." Okay, how does God judge people? with righteous judgment you're correct okay but how does God man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the, the heart yeah the inward okay he looks at the inside okay and so the the circumcision that these men might perform okay on the sabbath may have looked good but may have been done with the wrong heart attitude okay not all circumcisions were but I'm just saying their heart attitude uh, was one of pride And yet Jesus, in His compassion, heals a man on the Sabbath, and they get mad at Him. Okay, which again shows their heart. Okay, and they these He's saying, "Hey, you need to stop judging on the outside and judge with righteous judgment. You're only judging according to what you see." Okay, and so Jesus' doctrine comes from the Father. Okay, His judgment comes from the Father. What He does comes from the Father. So our question is. What is your doctrine? Okay, what is your doctrine? All of our doctrine should come from Scripture. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.15, study, to show yourself approved unto God a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth or rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is good, it's profitable, okay, for correction, rebuke, training, righteousness. Some man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so the question that I have is, for us is what is our and that seems like a big like doctrine seems like a big word. You can just think of instruction or teaching or even truths. Where do our truths come from? Okay, and so this doesn't just mean like like the big issues of the Bible, right? Like it doesn't just mean like what is your belief on salvation, what is your belief on God, and what is your belief on scripture? Like, those are the basis. Those are what we build off of. And a lot of times people don't have those right, and so they're not building right off of it. But you can go even further, further to say, like, like these guys. I mean, they say, hey, no one's trying to kill you, Jesus. Is that true? No. No, it's not. And so you can even take little things of our life and say, well, God is love. Is that true? Yeah. Well, if God is love, then homosexuality's okay. Because that's love. Is that true? No. No, it's not. Okay, so even though God is love, you're twisting that truth because you're not actually digging the Scriptures. You're not actually getting your doctrine from God and the Scripture and your truth from the Scripture. You're, you're twisting it to make it sound like God is somebody that He's not. Okay? And Jesus never does that. Jesus' doctrine always comes, His instruction always comes from the Father every time, and it matches with Scripture the old, his his New Testament always matched with the old testament. Okay. Um, so do you know what you believe? Okay. Do you know what your church believes? Okay, and this is another good thing to ask yourself. Do you know what to look for in a doctrinal statement? A lot of people go off to college, they don't even know what to look for in a doctrinal statement. Okay? And you know, you shouldn't go to your pastor or youth pastor and be like, give me a list I mean, you can do this, but give me a list of all the things I should, all the doctrinal things. Like, you should be so much in the Word of God that you know what those things are and you can see those things. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's bad to go to, your, go to JB or go to Brent or somebody and say, hey, what are some things to look out for? But like, we shouldn't just be lazy to the point where we're just like, well, you know, I don't, I don't study the Scripture on my own, so I'm just going to go to somebody else and see if they have a good church that I should go to. Or, you know, you know Wiley said this is a good church, so I'm just going to go with him. Like, he's a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, 90% of people, that's what they do. okay. And not just with church, but with everything. Okay? Um, you know, I heard, I've heard people say they have no idea what Greek is. Like, they have no idea. And I don't know very much at all. Okay? But they have no idea what the Greek words mean or anything. And they will quote, like they know what they're talking about, misquoted greek word in order to twist it in a way that they can interpret it to mean that someone should be sinning okay i know you guys you guys are looking at me like you don't believe me but there there's a whole group of people that do it okay they'll take the word they'll take words like homosexuality and they'll change the word the meaning of the word and they'll say the greek it means this and it's just a, it's just a lie but then these all these other people will take that on and they'll say, oh, look, the Greek word means this. But they don't know. They didn't look it up. They don't know anything about it. But they'll just take the word of somebody else because that's what they want to be true. So they're lazy or they're ignorant or they, they decide not to even search it out because they don't want to because it, it doesn't fit with what they want to do. Okay? And so our doctrine should, just like Jesus, derive from the truth of God's word no matter what. Okay? Yes? Yes? Alright. Next one. Jesus, he, His origin is in the Father. Okay, origin means like where He's from. Okay, so where He's from is from the Father. Look at verse 25. Some people of, Ju- of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man they're seeking to kill? Look, He is speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to Him. the rulers uh, do not really know that He's a Christ, do they? However... We know uh, where this man is from, but the Christ may come, or where the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Okay, so we're going to start out with that part. Um, Basically, in verse 25, again, they're saying this is the guy that people are seeking to kill. And when he says they, it's talking about the Jewish leaders. Okay, so they're saying, wait, this—I think this is the guy that the Jewish leaders are trying to kill. And then in verse 26, they're confused because it's like, look, he's speaking publicly, because he's, he's publicly speaking, right? Okay, And so, he's, look, he's speaking publicly, and they don't do anything about it. So why are the Jewish leaders not doing anything about it? And then some of them are like, do they think he's the, like the Messiah? Maybe they think he's the Messiah, and that's not why they're, doing, they're not doing anything about it. Okay, when in reality, it wasn't Christ's time yet. Okay, And so that's why they, uh, they weren't getting him. But also, just think about it like this, okay? These guys are trying to figure out a way to kill Jesus, but has Jesus done anything wrong? No. No. So they can't just murder someone because they're they're good people, right? They can't just murder someone like that's that's not how they roll, right? They're looked at as religious, and so they have to come up with a way where they can kill him, and everybody looks at it as a righteous deed, okay? And so they they haven't figured it out because Jesus is perfect. And they can't figure out how to kill this guy. Because even the stuff that they say is wrong, that he's doing wrong, it's like, oh, he healed somebody on the Sabbath and told them to pick up his mat. Oh, definitely he should be killed for that. Like, you know, the crowds may not buy that. You know, and then they're in trouble. Okay? And they don't want to lose that authority that they have and that viewpoint that people have of them as being righteous. And so really, they're sitting here trying to figure out how to kill him and they can't figure it out. And these people are like, why aren't, if they're trying to kill him, why don't they kill him? He's literally standing right there. If they're trying to seize him, take him now. He's public. He's public, And you guys aren't even taking him. Okay, so they're like, maybe he's the Christ. And then in verse 27, look at it. However, we know where this man is from. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he's from. Is that true? Where does the Scripture say that the Messiah would be come from? Bethlehem. That's right. So it's just a blatant lie, okay? And it's, uh, we think that this is based on a tradition. It could have been based on a misinterpretation of the second coming of Christ, okay? But basically, it's some sort of tradition that when the Messiah comes, nobody's going to know where he's going to come from. He's just going to appear. And he'll be here to save us all. Like, that was the tradition. And so now they're basing their life, their dis- the biggest decision of their life, is this man the Messiah or is he not? They're basing that on hearsay. And on a tradition. Right? Because if they would have dug, if they would have looked at the scriptures, what would they have found? That he would come from Bethlehem. That he would come from Bethlehem. And then if they would have dug into Jesus' life, what they what would they have found? He came, from he came from Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. Okay, and so they don't they don't actually care. <laughs> they just they just don't want him to be the Messiah, so they don't care. Okay, they don't they they just don't care enough to actually study things, to actually look. And, you know, maybe they were just being lazy, or maybe they didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. But sometimes we are lazy, right? Sometimes we are lazy when it comes to spiritual truth. Like it's like, well, you know, that that guy I just listened to on that podcast, he said this about the Bible, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, but he's pretty, you know, accurate, so I'm sure it's true. You know, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Um, Sometimes we get lazy by not checking things against the scripture, right? Checking things against um, what we know is true in the scripture and then going back to scripture and looking at it. Like, you guys should be, like, every time I'm up here talking and teaching, you guys should be looking at what I'm saying and say, is that right? Is that actually accurate? Does that actually go with the Bible? Or is that something that goes against the Bible? Okay. Obviously, my goal and aim is that everything would be scriptural, everything would be the truth of God's word. But, I mean, I make mistakes all the time. And the other day, I said, I said something wrong. Okay. It was like, uh, I think I said they were on the east side of Galilee, or uh, no, I said they were in Jerusalem and they were on the east side of Galilee. I said it wrong. Okay. How many of you caught it? How many of you know? You know what I mean? Like, are we do? I do it too. Okay. I do it too. Do we get lazy and not think? Okay. Is this actually true? There's a kid, a very good story, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a kid came out of this youth group and he was sitting in one of our services and somebody was teaching. He uh, wasn't JB, uh, but JB, he's human too. He makes mistakes too, right? Uh, but the guy said something and the kid came up to me afterwards. He was like a freshman or something at the time uh, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, I don't think that was right. Like I don't think that lines up with the rest of Scripture, and we talked about it, and that's really good because he was on the lookout to see is what this per- even though it's Stillwater Bible, and we're all seeking to teach the truth of the Word. Okay, he was on the lookout, and he said, "Does this match the rest of Scripture?" Okay, so are we lazy when it comes to this? Okay, anyway, getting back to the origin. Okay, verse twenty-eight. Verse 28, then Jesus cried out in the temple in the teaching saying, because they say, we don't know where, uh, we know where this guy came from. And they think he came from Nazareth, by the way. Okay, they think uh, he was born in Nazareth. Because they weren't willing to search it out. And we see that later on. But they think they know where this guy comes from, but they shouldn't know where the Messiah comes from. So Jesus says, you both know me and where I'm from. I have not come from myself, but from uh, but he who sent me is true. And whom you do not know, I know him because I am from him. And he sent me. So they were seeking to seize him. And no man laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed him. Okay, so there is a, a bunch of people in this crowd that believe him, which is awesome. And they were saying, when the Christ come, will he not perform more signs than this man? Okay, They're basically saying, if the Messiah comes, is he going to do more than this guy? Okay, How's he going to do more than this guy? So the Pharisees heard this. Okay, they heard the crowd muttering that about him. Okay, those who believe they were, they were saying these things trying to convince other people and the, the Pharisees hear it and the chief priests and they sent officials to seize him. okay They don't want people thinking he's Messiah's going to take the authority away from them. okay And so uh, if you look at that all that okay going back to verse 28, they don't know where he, they don't know where the Messiah's come from and Jesus goes spiritual on them and he's like, you don't know where the Messiah's going to come from? Well you should. He's going to come from the Father <laughs> right? Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't even bother to tell him. Okay, look here in Malachi it says the Messiah is going to go from uh, Bethlehem, and I think it's because of what he said in verse seventeen. Okay, flip back and look at verse seventeen. It says, "If any of you is willing to do His will, He will know of the teaching and whether it is from God or whether I myself speak it." So. I think he's understanding that those who believe in him at this point, they're willing to seek the truth. And they're seeking the truth and they understand that he is the Messiah. But those who are not willing, they're not even seeking the truth. So it doesn't matter if he comes in and says, look, it says in the scriptures that, it's, that he's to be from Bethlehem. Because they're not going to care. Okay? They're not going to care if they're those ones. Okay? And so he says, I am from the Father um, and I come from the Father and I know him in verse 29 because I'm from him and he sent me. Okay, and he sent me. So he's saying Jesus was sent by God. or Jesus is saying that he was sent uh, by the Father. Okay So what thing I want to just point out really quickly is what is our origin as New Testament believers? Okay? This is second Corinthians 5:17 it says, therefore if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, or sorry, the, old, the new has come and the old has gone. Okay, I don't know what translation that is. That's it's not the one I memorized it in, <laughs> but basically, uh, we are new creations in Christ. Okay, as New Testament believers. Okay? which is also uh, stated in Ephesians one five, and I think this predestination is applied to the church personally, because it's us. But He predestined us for adoption as a sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Okay, and so we are new creations. We are no longer in Adam. If you go on in verse uh, 2 Corinthians 5:17, it says, we're ambassadors. And so uh, I think this is interesting because like now through Christ, we are from God. Like you know what I mean? Like our, we are sons of God. like we're not, we're not from God in the same way that Jesus, because he's God, but because we're in Christ and we're a part of Him and a part of His body, and we're sons and heirs, like we are from God too, in a way. Right, in a different, in a little bit different way, but we're we're sons of God, which is really cool because um, the church is, the church has a unique role and a really cool um, thing that nobody else has throughout history. Right, a unique relationship, like Christ is our head and we're a body that's meant to serve God, and like uh, it's just unique and it's cool. I think that we can be called sons of God. Um, through Christ, right? And because of the work that he did. Okay, so he, he came from the Father, and then he's also going to go to the Father. And I'm going to spend very much time on this. But look at verse 33. Therefore, Jesus said, for a little while longer I am with you, and then I will go to him who sent me. So he's going to go back. And you will seek me, and you won't find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Okay, then the Jews said to one another, where is this man attending to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the uh, dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will go, or you will seek me, and you will not find me, and where I am going, you cannot come. So, again, they're thinking physical. He's talking about him going back to the Father, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay. And uh, they're thinking physical. So they're like, is he going to go out and start teaching the Greeks this stuff? Because, like, and then he thinks, like, we can't find him if we go to the Greeks. Or if he goes to the Greeks, I don't don't understand what he's talking about. Uh, But he's not talking about that, we know. Uh, And so when he says, for a little while longer, I'm with you, he's saying his ministry is going to last a little while longer, and then he's going to die, he's going to be in the grave three days, he's going to rise again, and he's going to go to the Father. Okay, He's going to spend 40 days on the earth too, but he's going to go to the Father, the one who sent him. And it says, you will seek me, and you will not find me, and where I'm going you cannot come, because no one can go to the Father without Christ. Okay? No one can go to the Father without Christ. Okay? And many of these people did not believe and would not believe, and therefore they would end up not going okay, where he's going. Uh, but no matter what, none of us can go to the Father without, without Christ. Okay? It's impossible to go without Christ. And so um, if you keep going, okay, they think he's going to be from Greek, uh, going out to the Greeks and everything. And then in, they restate his statement and they just don't understand. Okay? So the question for us is do we ever go, do we go to the Father? Okay? And the answer is? Yeah. Yeah, after we die, we do, okay? Because we are in Christ. Okay? So we get to go where He's going because of Him. All right? So 2 Corinthians 5 8, we're confident, I say, and we're preferred to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Okay? When we are absent from the body, when we die, we get to go be with Christ again. This is, this is something that not everybody always has got to do, right? In the Old Testament, when people died, did they get to go be with God? Not right away, right? They went to Abraham's bosom, right? Yeah, Abraham's bosom, or Sheol, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, paradise. And why, why could they not go? yeah he hadn't come yet he hadn't paid for sins yet and so this is something really cool and unique uh for us is that you know i'm, I'm glad we're born or i'm glad i'm born in this age because when i die i just gotta go be with jesus right i get to go to the father because jesus is with the father right he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of god okay so i get to go be with god uh because of jesus which is really cool i think um so anyway uh, I just thought that was a cool little comparison. All right, the last thing we're going to look at, okay, verses 37 through 39, okay, the message of the Father, okay, and this one's kind of uh, a little bit interesting, okay, uh, but I like it. Uh, we already know what the message of the Father is, okay, because Jesus has said over and over and over again, He is from the Father, and His message is from the Father, His instruction is or teaching or doctrine is from the Father. He says He doesn't do anything outside the will of the Father, okay, and so then... He gives us little message, and this message is we know and assume and understand that it is from the Father. Okay, it says in verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. So it's at the end of the Feast of Booths or Feast of uh, <coughs> Tabernacles, I think some is what they call it. And so that feast is seven days long, if you remember from last week. Okay, so this is the this is the seventh day of that feast. Seventh day of the feast, Jesus stands up and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What does that sound like? Sound like... Yeah, chapter 6 and chapter 4 and this theme that he's saying, right? So he said, you need know, you come to me, um, drink, okay? And then here's the drinking. He who believes in me. Okay, that's the drinking. Okay, so he who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow uh, rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom, he, uh, whom those who have believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So it's kind of interesting because he actually talks a little bit about the Holy Spirit indwelling us um, after he dies and rises again and all that stuff, which is kind of cool. But the message, the bottom line message of uh, the Father here, which is the one that Jesus is relaying, is believe in me. Come to me and drink. Come to me and believe. Okay, and When we believe in him, we have eternal life. Okay, and I think all of you understand that message and are good with that message. Hopefully all of you can teach that that lesson, okay, or that that truth from the Word of God, using the Word of God. Okay, and we've looked at it a lot. But what should our message be? Okay? What should our message be? Okay, that is what our gospel message should be, right? Okay, what should our gospel message be? Believe in Jesus for eternal life. Believe in Jesus for eternal life. Okay, come to Jesus. He's the life giver. Okay, believe in Him and you will have life. That's right. Okay, but what about everything else that comes out of our mouth? Does everything else that comes out of our mouth, does all that stuff line up with the Scripture? Okay, it should, right? And you're right, it doesn't, but it should. Okay, Jesus, when He lived, everything He said matched and lined up with the Father. Okay, all of His teaching, all of His doctrine, it all lined up with the Father and the Father's will. Okay? And I know that's like a, like we're not Jesus, okay but we should be seeking to be imitators of God, right Ephesians 5. And so we should seek that everything that comes out of our mouth should line up with the truth of God's word, right? Everything and not twist things in order to make them what we want make truth out to be what we want it to be. okay? Um, you guys know Rehoboam? Jeroboam and Rehoboam? Yeah. From the Bible. Okay, so Rehoboam, whenever Solomon died, uh, Rehoboam, you know, he's just, I can't remember how old he was, but he's king, right? He gets set on the throne, and these people come to him, and they say, Yes. Hasn't the kingdom split then? Well, not yet. Oh. Not yet. It's about to. Yeah. So so he's king right now, right? Uh, He got from Solomon, and these people come to him, and they say, Hey, your father was very heavy on the people. Meaning he, he was like a, a slave driver, okay? Whether or not it was actually a slave driver or not, he was just, he taxed the people, he made the people work. He, and they said, We want you to lighten our load a little bit. And so Rehoboam, he goes and he talks to the, the old people, okay? Yeah, the advisors from his father's era, okay? And they say, You know what? If you lighten their load, they're going to be yours for life. This, this, you, should, you should lighten their load. And, man, they're going to be your, your subject to you. Okay? And what does Bone do? Yeah, he's like, well, I don't like that advice. Let me go find some other advice. So he goes and he finds some of his friends like Wiley. And he says, Wiley, what do you think I should do? Well, Wiley's only like 14. So he's like, dude, you should tell him this is what Solomon is. And this is what you are. You're that much bigger than Solomon. And you're going to crush him. And then what ends up happening, Scout? Um, th- they, they, they split. Yeah. They, they don't follow him. They split. Okay? And I think that Rehoboam, okay, and I don't know why he did everything that he did. Okay, I'm not pretending to. But it sounds like he went and he got good advice, but he didn't like it. So he went and got other advice. And how many times in our life do we only seek the truth that we want to know? Like only seek the truth that fits us. Only seek the truth... That is good for us. And I've again, I've seen this happen, especially over the last three or four years, I've seen this happen two or three times with like crazy bad results, okay? Where both of them were in marriage, okay? But where the, both of them were the wives, actually, okay? And the wife decided that she wanted this one idea to be true, okay? And it's a worldly sinful idea. Okay, but they decided, both of them, they decided that's what was true. So then they went to scripture and started basing the scripture off that idea. And they said, "Well, here, God says this. So, that means this." Right? Because they were taking that idea and they were trying to base scripture off of it. Okay? Both both times it led to a horrible divorce and terrible lingering effects that are, are still not over. Okay? With kids with husbands, with all sorts of things, okay, and it's because they took something that they wanted to be true, and then they base scripture around that truth, okay, and that's what these people. Some of these people, some of them believe, but some of these people are doing. They're saying, "Here's a truth that I want to be true, and now I'm going to base these things around it." And I think that's even what some of those Pharisees are doing. Okay, they don't want him to be the Messiah. They don't want him to take away their authority and their power. So they take these little things that they try and make true, and then they try and make Scripture fit around them, okay? And it's wrong, okay? And we do that too. And, and by the way, both of these, these people were Christians, as far as I could tell, okay? And both of them were solid. Both of them were slowly le- led down the wrong path through um, media and friends, That's just a whole other side point, okay? But both of them chose the wrong friends, and a lot of it came through, the idea came through media and through those friends on media, and they were led down that path, and then they decided to base Scripture around that idea that they suddenly decided was true. Well, not suddenly. Over a long period of time, slowly decided it was true, okay? So we need to be really careful. We need to be careful in our own lives that we don't decide what's true and then try and base scripture around it. Instead, if we decide what's true, and I go through and I look through the scripture, and I'm like, that's not true? That changes it. Right? Quick story about myself. Okay? Um. So when I was a lot younger, okay, I I thought, um, I'm trying to think of exactly what it was. Basically. I thought that you... I, I read a scripture passage, and I was I was teaching a passage, okay? And by, based on that passage, I understood the passage to say that if you don't persist in doing good, then you will not be saved. Okay, which I really didn't believe. Okay, but I thought that's what the passage was saying, and so I started kind of, yeah, you know I, I And people around me thought that. Okay, and so I actually taught that one time. Okay, I did. Okay, and now, I, I also taught that if you believe you're just like you're just going to do it automatically or something like that. But I was wrong, okay? And that's not the first or last time. And as I studied the scripture, I started realizing that that was wrong, okay? And the scripture changed the truth, it didn't change the truth, it was always true, but it changed my mind on what the truth was instead of the other way around. Because what I could have done was said, no, I think this is true let me see if I can pick some verses out of the Scripture to make it sound like this is true. Okay? And we can all do that. Okay? All of us. And, I'm just kind of rambling now, I know. But, you guys should not take for granted, again, things that I say, or things that J.B. says, or things that our church says, and just take those things and say they're true. Okay? You shouldn't. And I know that sounds terrible. Okay? But, you should be going to the Word of God and saying, is this idea true? Okay? Because if you go to the Word of God and you say, okay, well, Stillwater Bible says it's faith alone in Christ alone. Well, do you, and I know this is a simple one and easy for us, but do you know where to go? If I called on you right now, do you know where to go? And if I, if I had brought up other passages of Scripture that other people use, do you know how to defend it right now? Okay. And there are other things. Do you know that God is lo- all-loving and all-powerful? Show me the Scripture. What if I call on you right now to show me the Scripture, and then I brought up examples in life that looks like He's not? Could you defend it? Okay? Could you defend it with Scripture? Because you should be able to. Okay? And not defend it with your own ideas, or your own talk, or the smooth tongue, but defend it with Scripture and what Scripture says. Okay, are you able to do that? Okay, we should be deriving our truth from the Scripture, just like Jesus was. Um, and I think that's my... Yeah, we should be seeking truth. Okay? That's the application, I think, is we seek truth. And we don't seek truth through friends or media or whatever, or people. Okay? We should get advice from people and we should get godly wisdom from people. But if those things don't line up with the truth of God's Word, then we need to throw them out and we need to be wise enough and knowledgeable enough and understanding enough to throw those things out if they don't line up with Scripture. Does that make sense to everybody? Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis.com at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.